hey there welcome to youth plus radio and we are a platform that is passionate about the youth and having conversations that shape and inspire my name is Zawadi and this is youth Inc on youth plus radio on today's episode we have Steve Suchi with us I hope you guys are excited for this <laughs> and this is Steve Suchi Thank you very much. Um, as you're aware, my name is Steve Suchi. Uh, I'm really excited to be on the show and looking forward to the conversation. Okay, Thank okay. You. Thank you. Right. Uh, so, first things first. Right. Out there in the internet, no one really knows much about you. You seem to be very <laughs> low-key. So, yeah. tell us now. Tell us, who is Steve Suchi? Wow. Um, Steve Suchi is many things. Um, I run a couple of things, but um, by way of introduction, my 8 to 5, I'm employed. Um, I work as Director of Marketing and Admissions at Moringa School, so that takes my uh, majority of my time. And then beyond that, I run a couple of ventures, so one includes a Shylock business. <laughs> there is one, two, um, I run a, I'm, I'm partnered with a friend of mine and we run a chili business, so we actually sell package and sell chilies across um, and then three I work as a consultant for a fintech company that's uh, trying to set base in South Africa so um, I'm, I'm consulting for them um, on the growth plan so those are the major things that take up most of my time for hobbies I am a small-time farmer I've got <laughs> I've got some uh, some land somewhere out on Kajado, so we sell different uh, vegetables, you know, f and we do sort of contract farming. So I'm not too sure that I'm allowed to mention the names of our supplier, our cost customers right now, but I'm uh, pretty sure across, if you're a green, if you eat organic food, you've probably come across some of our produce. Yeah, so that's in a nutshell. Uh -huh. Uh, Steve Suchi, which is why we think because of the busy schedule, you'd hardly see me anywhere on the socials or, or anywhere there. So, yeah. That is amazing. That, <laughs> that is quite the CV. Yes. And trust me, that information is nowhere. <laughs> nowhere to be found. But you're glad. Those who know, know. Yeah. Like it's, on, it's on a need to know yeah, basis. It's on a need to know basis, yeah. Um, now, speaking of marketing, yes. I'd like to uh, delve a bit into that. Yeah. What inspired you to go into marketing? Was it something <laughs> that you studied? Is it a passion? Where did you start? Well, I've been in the, I've been doing marketing roles um, since I cleared campus actually, but yeah. the truth is I actually started getting involved in marketing when I was in campus. So um, I was a very bad boy back in the day. Um, a bit rebellious through high school. Um, so when I joined, I went to school in Daystar University. And so when I joined, one of the ways I had to sort of make some money for survival, for um, you know your pocket money and all that, I signed up as a, what you call a model um, with some of these agencies. At the time, it was called Versatile Agency, yeah? So we used to get called up to do, you know, ads, you know, so you either become cast for an ad or at times, you know, we'd have um, opportunities where you sort of go and become a promo, promo person. Yeah. So believe it or not, this Steve has actually danced in front, you know, on top of uh, roadshow tracks. I remember when Minute Maid was being launched in this market, I think I was one of the few first guys who were picked to do a promo um, with, uh, at Prestige Plaza at the Nakumat then. Um, and I remember it was a difficult moment. I mean, you're earning 500 bob or thereabout. So that actually grew my interest in marketing. So when I got to second year, I decided to sort of venture. I went in to study communications 
but we had an option of doing a double major at Daystar. So I ended up taking some elective courses in marketing. And so I, I sort of was learning in class, but actually practicing on the job on weekends. And so that's where my career picked up from. Um, by the time I was done with campus, um, you know, I, I got fortunate to sort of get opportunities and work in different organizations. You know, in these instances, they're asking for three years, four years experience. Yeah. I was fresh from campus, but I had three years experience already. And so it was very, able, it was very possible for me to sort of blend in. And my CV is long. Um, 15 years later, I've worked in quite some good, reputable brands. Um, to mention some industries, I've been through insurance, through real estate, uh, through gaming. At some point, um, I went into event organizing, event organization, so we ran with my partner, um, an event company. Um, I've been through fintech, uh, so was a very early team, Chipakash, which was a fintech company that started in, um, in, um, in Uganda, but then ventured into other parts of Africa. Yeah. And we grew the business in such a small time, so between... Uh, within a year or thereabout, well, within a year and a half, we grew from 100,000 100, subscribers to 4 million subscribers. So that's a huge, huge um, opportunity there. We grew the business becoming a unicorn. Um, then I exited, I went into another global company, MFS Africa, and so eventually now I'm at Moringa School. Um, so my journey through marketing has gone through all types of news, from very low level to senior levels. Um, right now the prime of seniority in terms of marketing, marketing career. Uh, beyond here I can only be a CEO. Um, but I mean, it's been, it's been a lot of learning, a lot of engagement with people. So that's been very exciting. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of how your journey yeah. has actually been, you see at the, at the beginning stages, especially with marketing yeah. and sales, there's a misconception that, you know, this thing is difficult. Oh, yeah. So what do you have to say about that? And at that point when you were starting, what kept you going? Um, that's a very interesting question. A lot of things. One, what kept me going, let me pick it from there, has been that in the... Being able to pass education, for me, is very critical. Being able to inform people who don't know about your products, that they can actually find a use for it and build stories out of that has been very, very critical for me. I mean, that has been sort of what has helped me pivot in my career. Um, beyond that, of course, being very involved in data. I love data. I love reading. I love sort of understanding different trends. Um, so you sort of be able, you, you sort of understand your target audience and sort of when you when you're coining a product or you're trying to put a product into market, you know very well how to position that because you have an audience. You understand your audience, you understand the consumer behavior, you understand what kind of media channels they consume. So you position your messaging accordingly. I think in the, doing that over and over again, and of course, uh, learning a lot um, from previous people who I consider very successful in this career and even in other careers, so engaging with them, um, networking, very critical. Um, that has been on the sort of on the ability side, yeah. but there's also the personality side, right? Which is very critical, and I think this is important for this show. Is that a lot of young people um, imagine that you know success is given, it's handed over to you, you've yeah. got to take it. But even as you fight through it, one of the things that becomes very critical is you have to be very very humble in this space. You've got to have the right attitude. You know, you've got to be willing to fail. Take failure not as failure in its sense, but failure as an opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you the countless failures I've had in my career. And if it weren't those failures, I don't think would be, I'd be where I'm at today. Um, so those are the main things that have sort of been sort of the turmoil stages uh, through the journey. 
it's it's overall very satisfactory um, when you when you are trusted or when you're engaging with uh, different uh, markets and you know you're able to position a product that wasn't there and people are engaging with it and you get all this feedback and all this love and it's it's very fulfilling but what it takes to actually get there becomes a lot of blood sweat and tears so it's it's a it's a it's a game of patience it's a long game um, it's a game that requires you to be very humble and very understanding of you know your target audience and being able to connect with them at a more personal level yeah. one thing i always advise people is that they don't buy things because they like things, they buy it because of the people who are, who are fronting it to them. So people buy from people they like, right? It's not always about the product. Yes, instances where there's some very standard products, 100%, but sometimes in your personality is what will actually connect you with market. And so those are just small, small tidbits about, you know, sort of what I, how I guide have navigated that space. Yeah. Thank you for that. Now, yeah. now we know that personality actually does matter. So yeah. I want to mix it up a little sure. bit and introduce technology 100%. into it. Yeah. So 15 years ago and right now, technology has been in very different levels. 100%. So how has this affected marketing or how has it been able to boost it? That's a very good question. I think technology has been sort of what has enabled marketing to become what it is. Think about it this way. Yeah. Before, maybe 10 years ago, maybe less, um, if you had a product, you wanted to put it to market. You think about a marketing budget and what you'd have to cost you to actually do that. Yeah. And it was, for most brands, especially for startups and for small SMEs generally, it was out of reach. Marketing budgets were out of reach for most of these brands. Mm -hmm. But think about social media invention, for instance. The fact that now we actually have influencers. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is a job for the influencers, but it's also a market channel yes. for a lot of these uh, brands. I mean, you think about... Um, one of my favorite ones is high style. His style, high style. Those those girls were always dancing, and and you can imagine how much money yeah. they're actually making yeah. just being able to sort of do a lot of that content mm. um, on social media. So that becomes one of the things that has become critical in terms of sort of exponentially spreading messages across. But even from a research perspective, whereas before. If you ever, if you wanted to venture into a market, like I said, I'm consulting for a company in South Africa. Since I started working with this organization, I've never actually set foot in South Africa. All the information I need through technology, we, we have AI tools, ChatGPT, we've got um, a lot of research that's already been done. It's just online, you know, you sort of log in, connect. Uh, if you need to meet with people, LinkedIn is very, very critical for that. So connect with people who are like-minded. And you can be able to sort of narrow down to even specific um, uh, people who've done certain things who've got that, that level of experience to be able to target and even get rich data. So engage with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. There's a lot of data online, you know. Um, um, working in a school right now and we've got this, we've got this program that we're calling uh, data visualization. So ability to be able to consume a lot of data and visualize it in a way that makes sense for decision making, for influencing and all that stuff. We do a lot of that. So engaging with data that's actually online. You know, before, for instance, when you wanted to test a market, you would sort of call a focus group, you know, and that requires time, requires space, requires people who you've got to remunerate. Nowadays, it's very easy, sort of just uh, we can do A-B testing on Facebook, yeah. for instance, or on Google platforms, or other display platforms, you know, sort of run one set of communication and another set of communication and run both and then see the results. So it's amazing how it's transformed the space. I know the fear that sometimes comes with it is um, what then happens to jobs. 
Yeah. What then happens to opportunities for young people who want to become like copywriters, for instance? Mm. You know, because right now ChatGPT can literally do all the copywriting everything. for, or can do everything. You know, but the reality is that there's something that technology can never be able to apply, which is what speaks to what I was mentioning earlier, which is the personality aspects, yeah. humanity, humility. You know, just having the right attitude because these are tools. A tool will only perform as good as you present it with the data that you need it to crunch for you. And so there's still lots and lots of opportunities. I believe technology has come to take the marketing game a notch higher, but it can only be as good as how it is being used by the people behind it. And so um, my advice and my experience has been that, you know, technology is something you embrace. Always try and be above, be a, be a step ahead of, the, of, of what's happening. You know, get, of course, abreast with what's happening in, in the industry, um, but figure out a way to utilize it. So such that it doesn't consume you, but you're actually the one consuming yeah. the tools and what it can do for you. Yeah. yeah. So guys, there are a lot of tech terms going yeah. around here. So get, get to Googling, get to Googling. And when we're speaking about, you know, your transition from the fintech yeah. to Moringa School, yeah. there's a trend I have noticed. Yes. The companies that you've been, especially for the last three or five years, yeah. I've noticed that it's been one year, one year, yeah. one year. What's that you about? Done your research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that um, So, yes. There's been a lot of movement, especially the past um, five or six years. The idea is that before um, we were very locked into what you would consider Kenya as a market. Yeah. You know, I don't look at Kenya as a country, I look at Kenya as a market. And in many instances, you know, a lot of the brands that were in this place, you know, they, they'd hire somebody who thinks local. Um, eventually, and I guess with the advent of technology, we are now considered as Kenyans and and people generally, I mean, we, we have, um, Kenyans actually have a very good name in the global scale. Uh, we're considered to be very resilient, very hardworking, very sharp. Um, because of that and the kind of work that we do sometimes gets visibility beyond the borders, um, a lot of organizations start to notice. And in instances, they start to reach out for opportunities. So there's been a bit of, there's been a bit of poaching. Um, and I say that with a lot of humility. Um, there's been a bit of poaching, especially because of just the good work, which is also why, um, as a marketer, one of the things that I'm always encouraging people is to make your work known, all right? Uh, build portfolios, share your work, share your research, write, talk to people, engage yourself in your sort of speaking engagements and opportunities, get exposed. Because like I said, people actually buy into the personality. Yeah. You know, so they see you being able to represent their brand. They see you being able to have the skills that are required to be able to penetrate a market. And so you become um, quite attractive for the market space. You get quite good demand. Uh, the movement that has been, um, if I can explain it in a bit more detail, when I was yeah. in the gaming side, the gaming was different because around that time is when the game changed in Kenya. You know, remember before then there was no regulation and yeah. all that. Then eventually, that happened, so they, involved, they included the aspect of tax. Um, um, people have entered new licenses again, and so that became quite stringent. And so the gaming uh, industry sort of went into some form of decline. Um, around that same period of time is when um, I ventured into sort of events. Um, out of passion, pretty much. Uh, bumped into a partner, a good friend of mine, and we started doing events, corporate events, um, and we do pretty major ones. I mean, some to the tune of, you know, doing things like jazz festival and, and the blaze um, yeah. events, you know, and that was really exciting. And that was very, very tasking. And in the course of that, you know, engaging with different people as you present um, your proposals and, you know, you're pitching, 
sometimes people are looking at you and they're like, okay, we may not afford what you're selling, but we like you, so we want you to come and sell something for us. And so that's how we ended up meeting other people. In this instance, I bumped into um, the founders of Chipper Cash, where I was working, and you know, we had a conversation and they told me what they wanted to do in Kenya. I was like, yeah, it's easy, I can do that. Obviously, because of the experience I'd had with um, uh, the gaming side, you know, they were big on wanting to acquire users. And in the gaming side, that's really the game of numbers. So with different strategies and different abilities that I'd gained in my experience there, this was, this was pretty easy for me to do. So I told them some ideas that I had and, you know, quickly signed, put pen to paper, and started working for Chipper Cash. And as you know, as you're succeeding in this role and as you're putting the brand in the market, other players are actually watching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this happened, so that's how I ended up joining um, MFS Africa. Mm -hmm. Now, the shift from that mm -hmm. very fast-paced, large-volume business to education, which is yeah. very different, yeah. was actually because at some point, um, um, I got blessed by God. I got a son, mm -hmm. and I realized that um, MFS Africa was quite fast moving. I mean, I was traveling quite a lot, you know, across the world, literally. So at some point, I would be in different countries, you know, within a very short period of time. So in a month, you're only around for a week, you know. And, and I know that any young person will be like, that's probably the best job in the world. Yeah. But for me, I think given my priorities at the time, I'd have it shifted. Um, I felt it was a bit too much. And so the opportunity to join Moringa came to me. And so when we had conversations, I mean, I realized it was going to be a job that sort of slows me down a little to, one, enable me to sort of scale, because one, I also believe in what education ed, ed tech is becoming, but two, because it also allowed me to slow down so I can also focus on my other priorities. One very important is my son, like I mentioned, but beyond that also, um, with just the other things that I wanted to do on the side. Um, so yeah, so that was my motivation initially. When I joined Moringa, it was literally green water, very, very murky waters. I didn't understand much tech then, um, but just learning, you know, sort of what these ideals are and, you know, what you can be able to help grow this brand, you know, get it more visible and all the experience I'd had. It became very easy for me to sort of blend in really quickly. My learning curve was very steep, but within three months, you know, we'd rolled. And um, I think between then and now, Moringa has grown more than 400%. <laughs> very, very excited about that. You know, we were able to, we closed last year on an all-time high. You know, we hit targets that before um, had never been hit before. So we're actually now very audacious about our goals. We're very excited about this year and what the next years are coming. We know we're trying to now venture into new markets as well, sort of take it beyond Kenya. So it's been really exciting. That, that, that is quite the journey. <laughs> so you. now we expect somebody to poach you soon. Uh, no, 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 no. Been, um, for like more than a year. It's been more than a year. Yeah. And one of the things that I have also decided, I mean, I've, I've encountered that kind of conversation before mm -hmm. where you've gone for an interview and you're talking to somebody and, you know, they're excited about you, but, you know, the, that question always comes. But are we sure you're going to stay with us? You know, it's yeah. been... It's been three movements in three years. You know, what, what levels of commitment? So I took that as a personal challenge mm -hmm. um, and decided to m commit my time at Moringa. One, because um, I enjoy what I'm doing very much. Mm -hmm. But two, because I also feel like the impact that we're trying to drive, the, the personal um, goal that I have for this brand, for Moringa, mm -hmm. will take me at least three years to be able to achieve. Yeah. And so on the basis of that, um, and I feel like it's important for me to say this as well, especially for young people watching, 
is that sometimes when you go for these opportunities and jobs, always inter interrogate the brand because as much as they're interviewing you, also remember that you're also interviewing them. You're also trying to realize, is this somewhere where I want to stay? Is this somewhere where I can work and commit? Yeah. And can it be able to support what I need as much as I support them for what they need? And so I did that with Moringa. And I interviewed them in the process of them interviewing me. And I realized for, what, for where tech is going and for what I want to be able to achieve even personally, it was going to require of me to um, commit at the very least three years. It could be more, and I hope it would be more. But at the very least, at least three years of being able to just sort of do the things we've been doing. Yes, it's been a whole year. Honestly, for me, it feels like a day. <laughs> I feel like it's too short. Yeah. The year has gone by very fast. I feel like I would probably extend that time to maybe even five. Um, because we have, like I said, very big audacious goals. Um, we've grown the brand to become sort of a household name now. Um, and the reality is that we're also getting a lot of partners now wanting to come and work with us. So we're seeing a lot of possibilities. Just this morning, I was having a very interesting discussion with uh, a buy now, pay later platform who want to plug in and be able to offer uh, students who would like to study at Moringa but cannot afford to pay fees yeah. to then be able to sort of study and pay slowly. So we're negotiating through that and you know, it was a successful negotiation. We've got other partners, you know, scholarship partners, the likes of MasterCard Foundation, who we work with very closely. Um, I&M who are actually hosted here um, and, and we've seen a number of things and a lot of people coming together and saying we can be able to change how tech is perceived, you know, educate as many people as possible. So there's a lot of things that need to be done. When I look at, like I said, I'm a numbers guy, when I look yeah. at our numbers from how far we've come, um, I would dare say as much as we've grown Moringa to what it is today, we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah. There's huge, huge opportunities. Yeah. One of the challenges I came and I challenged my team is that, you know, we were looking at Moringa as, you know, a thing for nerds and for techies and all that. Yeah. And we quickly had to break that and said, you know, what, we need to be able to educate more people about the use and the need for tech in whatever they do. As a farmer, as a lawyer, as a, as a HR person or whatever it is you do, you still need some aspects of tech. And so we've opened up our market, which is why a lot of people are now seeing the opportunity and need. Um, and we've since since we started doing that, we get an oversubscription of our numbers, quarter by quarter. And so that's been exciting to to see. So as you can tell, you do something, it has very good impact. It motivates you to want to stay even more. So yeah, I'm not moving anytime soon. <laughs> well, that is well noted. <laughs> I find it tech to be. It's, it's a beautiful thing and yeah. it's growing rapidly yeah. right now. So speaking of Moringa School, which is tech now, yeah. and the marketing. Yeah. Marketing is, you know, it has some creative aspect to it. Yes. So where do you draw the line of, you know, wanting to come out with the creative marketing ideas that you have yeah. and portraying Moringa School in its true light? Um, that, actually, that actually is very easy for us to do. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, very critical. We sat sat with my team and we went through a proper uh, critique of our target audience. Mm -hmm. And we understood that, you know, we've got people as young as 17, 18 years old who form our primary audience, 18 to 24, thereabout. What are their profiles? These are guys who just finished high school, or just in campus. What are they engaging with social media? What are they watching? Are they on TikTok? All that stuff. So if you want to get their attention, you need to be where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. If I want to be able to speak to this particular audience in a way that they will understand and relate with me. It makes no sense if I'm on a news at nine o'clock, you know, doing an, an advertising there, you know, because they're not, they're not, they're not watching. Yeah. These guys are hanging out at Sarit Center, you know, 
which is why we're doing an event at Sally Center next week, you know, with uh, Movie Jabba, you know, those guys who are the gamers and all that. Yeah. Um, we notice that they're on social media, which is why we are very adaptive to the creative. So we do a lot of reels, a lot of sort of shots. We talk to influencers, for instance, who sort of be able to propagate our message. You know, I, if I tell you about Moringa, sounding like I'm sounding today, people get bored. But if I talk to someone like Daddy Mato, for instance, you know, with all his theatrics and comedy, and in there sort of chimes in Moringa in place, we are able to adapt to that. So we have a very fun way of um, sort of opening up the channel. Number two, we do a lot of um, high school and campus outreach programs. So we'd go to a university, for instance, or a high school. And as we're there, you know, we're engaging with students. We offer some mentorship programs. I, for us, one, one of the things I'm noticing is that this generation, Gen Zs and even below, are very woke to technology. Yeah. Um, so they understand stuff that even I didn't understand at that age. Um, so it's become very exciting to be able to position our ideals in those markets in ways that they can be able to adapt to it. Um, we, we run an open door policy. We have a lot of young guys coming to spend time at Moringa, you know, doing the hackathons and all that stuff. In there, we only get to sell and, you know, sort of uh, position the brand. I mean, lots, there's lots of things that we do. Very creative stuff. Um, very well appreciated. Of course, sometimes you also understand that, especially because of this young group, some of them, uh, it's their parents who make decisions on their behalf, which is also why we've got a segment of our marketing plans that are geared towards speaking to parents and the adult uh, population who can then be able to, we can now find them through stuff like billboards when they're driving around or, you know, sometimes we do some PR work, some articles in like, you know, newspapers. But ideally, it has to be a blend between, you know, when you understand your target audience and you understand how they make decisions, you can then be able to go around that to figure out how they get this information direct to them. And over time you do that, it becomes, I mean, for me, I've done it for 15 years. Yeah. So when you do it, it becomes almost repetitive, almost very easy to do. But it's just literally that. How do you ensure that in this person, your target audience's touch points through life, how do they interact with you? I, and I recommend a movie, especially for young guys who are trying to grow in the marketing space. There's a movie by Will Smith I love, it's called Focus. Now that you've watched I, I, it, I need to watch you it. need to go watch I it. I need to go watch it. Focus was a deadly. There's a, a section there about what you call, um, I forget the name, but literally what happens is that they plant ideas in your mind, then you start to visualize as though you're actually seeing it. All right? So, ideally, that's the kind of marketing gimmicks we apply. You know, I'm speaking this very simply. There are, very, there are a lot of marketing technology terms, technological terms, but I don't want to get into that. But the idea is that you have to understand your target audience very well to know how to position yourself in there um, so that, you know, eventually they go home, they see you somewhere. They're in Amatatu, they're on their phones, they're seeing you somewhere. You know, they go to, they go home, they get home and the mom is like, oh, I saw a billboard of Moringa. Like, what do you mean? I was also on TikTok and I saw Moringa. So, so you're already in their minds. It becomes very really easy for them to make that decision. So, I mean, there's, there's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, I normally charge for that kind of information. <laughs> no, but in terms of the how-tos, um, I'm really, um, for me, it's very exciting. And I, and I enjoy uh, just being able to position different strategies and putting them together and sort of set the same results. Okay, so now let us try and tie Suchi into a neat, neat, neat kind ball. of ball. A neat ball. <laughs> so you have marketing. Yes. You have farming. You have chili, the, the chili business. You are doing consultation. 
with you know the South African company yeah. and how do you you have an eight to five job yes. ideally so yes. how do you keep all this going and, and stay sober very kindly sober. advise us <laughs> <laughs> and I don't and I do not touch my weekends uh -huh. my weekends are sacred wow well um, the beauty of hybrid working mm -hmm. I think People always say thank God for COVID because that brought us that. But for me, I think that is a culture I'd already gotten into even before. So it's a question of working smart and not hard uh, in terms of how you balance your time. So I know that there's some specific days where I commit 100% to my 8 to 5 because, I mean, I'm, I'm in leadership at, at Moringa School. So Mondays, for instance, is when I dedicate, Mondays and Tuesdays, I dedicate bulk of my time to focusing on that, you know, ensuring that, you know, you're giving the full support you're understanding what's going on, you know, whatever else that is required of you. Um, you know, you have a team, you have to do your check-ins, you know, your one-on-ones and all that. So I commit to her. Of course, being my eight to five, that takes majority of my time. Um, in instances where sometimes, I mean, you take advantage of things like um, uh, the different sort of um, timing zones. Mm -hmm. South Africa is an hour behind, so mm -hmm. when you take a break here, you're able to sort of quickly check in. Yes. But the consultancy that I work uh, on with um, with the South African company, it's actually not a South African company. It's starting to it's trying to get its roots into South Africa, mm -hmm. but it's originally from Lithuania. Um, this is a guy who actually reached out to me on LinkedIn and wrote to me a couple of messages. I saw them. I was like, oh, whatever, man. And then he tried a bit more. So when I finally got a chance to speak to him, I was like, oh my God, this was a good opportunity. So we agreed and I told him that because of my time schedules, I can only dedicate nine hours of my week to your project. So that's giving them three hours on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And around that time, you ensure that you also have time to hive off from you know, your day to the uh, morning, to, uh, your eight to five. Mm -hmm. So I do that. Um, and then on the farming, um, at, an, at, an, at the initial stages, it took quite a toll on me. At the time, I had enjoyed Moringa. Mm -hmm. I'd taken a bit of a career break, um, um, pass, passively. When I was working for uh, a betting company that I was consulting for from yeah. Nigeria called Blackbet, uh, it allowed me some time to also be able to focus on this. So I, mm -hmm. I set up the farm. Uh, initial days was very tasking because I had to go there every single day. Um, but you know, over time, you know, we got to hire some very good people. So we've got a farm hand, we've got, a, we've got an agronomist, we've got some guys. We engaged the community there, so it's had a very good impact on the community. Mm -hmm. um, as we speak, the farm alone has been able to take about about 40 people to school now, just wow. because of the proceeds of that. And we're really, really proud of that. Mm. Um, so right now, that's actually running in itself. I mean, we've empowered these guys and they're actually running and doing that. I actually literally make hardly anything from the farm. For me, it's more the impact of the sustainability yeah. of these guys. And so that really gives me a lot of satisfaction. And then the chili business, it's interesting. This was not originally my idea. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've got a partner um, who this is actually the idea. And so, yeah. we know, we had a very good friend of mine and you know we're engaging and I remember he had started the business and then sort of dropped off because of again he got married I don't know what marriage okay <laughs> <laughs> he got married and, and 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 got a child and so sort of this took a back burner but because I had tasted his chilies before I told him to bring it back of course there were challenges at the time you know financial challenges and all that so I said I'll come in as a financial partner um, and we can grow it together and mm -hmm. so that coupled with all the experience I've gathered over marketing over the over the many years, 
uh, we were able to start sort of regrouped and started this again. Um, it's called Game of Heat. Um, uh, GOH Chile on Instagram or not uh -huh. strong there. Okay. But it's doing remarkably well now. I mean, it's, it, and, and for us, the power is not even in the product. It's more in how we position the brand. Of course, the product is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but people really love how we're engaging with the market, how, um, how the brand actually looks. Um, it's interesting how just a week ago we got somebody who wants to buy our entire consignment and, mm -hmm. I, and I said no <laughs> <laughs> uh, because we, 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 we are yet to sort of fully maximize the potential of this business. Yeah, so it's a question of balancing, like I said, working smart um, and I still have a very active social life, um, still very involved with church, with uh, friends, just during this Easter I was involved in a play in church. Um, so I'm able to still have a proper work-life balance. It's just you now realize that rather than, you know, because the, the hybrid model allows us some extra time, yeah. rather than to waste that opportunity, take mm -hmm. advantage of that. I mean, it's cut down on traffic time, what mm -hmm. we need to spend three to six hours in a day. Yeah. We're now cutting that to just be able to sort of engage. So when you finish your work and you feel like you have some extra time, you know, encouraged to do those things. The Shylock is not something that takes any of my time. It's, it's literally, fair. I don't like to call it a Shylock. It's more, <laughs> it's more supporting. But that's what you said. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I, somehow I'm able to manage. I, I feel yeah. like I still want to do more. I feel like I still have some extra time in my hands to do mm. a bit more. But um, mm. at this particular stage, as we speak today, taking a pause on growth just to focus on the different initiatives that we're running, um, and ensuring that gets it to sort of some optimum stage. Yeah. Um, okay, um, at the beginning yeah. you spoke about about failure. Yeah. You know, we've all been happy, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. laughing. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and that's not how life is. I know. So um, I'd like you to talk, talk to us, you know, about failure. What has been your, your lowest moment, especially when it comes to all of these things? What has that been? <laughs> You don't have tissues, yeah? Until you're set, yeah. <laughs> now, um, failures, my gosh. I don't think... None of these experiences have actually ever succeeded just by that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like failure has been what has actually motivated sort of the growth, the re-establishment, re the uh, re-strategizing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about particular instances where we have failed. And let me tell you, there are many. There are many. Give us the most, the juicy one. <laughs> the juicy one. Oh um, farming. Let me tell you about the farming one. That was painful. So, I vowed, as me. I mean, if anyone else is doing it, all good. But I vowed that I will never grow Daniels ever again in my life. <laughs> Because those things were painful, man. I mean, they looked so good above ground, mm -hmm. and you know, the, the, the farm manager told us that they were ready. And so I went out to look for markets. And because I missed an appointment, of course, because of traffic or whatever, yeah. I can't remember exactly what happened. My meeting moved from the day before on a Wednesday, on, a, on an evening, to the next day in the morning. Mm -hmm. And when I was preparing myself to go to the meeting, the farm manager calls me and, tells me, and told me, uh, your entire batch of Daniels have gone bad. And I'm like, what do you mean? This is okay yesterday. And I went to the farm, and the moment that leaf turns yellow, that's it. That's it. That's it. And it was promising. Um, when I met this guy, they were like, yes, bring them, supply. I can't supply that stock. That, those things died instantly. And it was literally because of just delay. Or actually, I remember, it was procrastinating a meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a very silly decision. 
um, between either going to actually pitch and harvest immediately or you know delay and be like yeah let me look more important by you know so that was painful yeah. um, we suffered some huge losses there uh, and so I vowed to personally never no, so in fact, I don't even you? like Dania anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dania saves lives. I know, right? um, so how did you like bounce back from that? Again, just being very adjustable to the needs of the market. So you now understand your crops a bit better. Uh-huh. You now know that um, certain, certain ones are very sensitive. You need to start knowing how to access market at a very early stage. There's a lot of wastage. Um, beyond that, there's also something, and, and I would encourage this for lots of farmers, um, to start thinking about value addition. Beyond just selling veg or whatever it is, one of the things we're doing right now is we're actually pre-harvesting and packing and drying and packing or even mm-hmm. freezing, you know, so that, you know, this stuff can last longer. Uh, so we're doing a lot of value addition in the farms. Um, but that actually came from that idea of not, you know, post-harvest loss or getting to that opportunity where crop dies out on farm before it moves to market. And so, yeah, the, so this, these things require you to now go through Mm-hmm. You hear that people go through losses. I mean, I've got friends who do selling onions and they're always crying, especially when the stock from Tanzania comes into the market. And so, you know, when you talk about this in open forums, and you tell them, why don't you think about some value addition? Why do you think about drying, for instance? Harvest dry, uh, pound, make it powder and sell, you know? Mm-hmm. Guys like uh, Deep Heat will buy those very easily. And you cut down their production. And either way, if you don't do that, you lose, so why not? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of engagement that's happening on that. On the corporate side, I think there's been instances, I mean, those are small, small blunders, like, you know, um, not going through your presentations when you have to make a pitch, for instance, and you're pitching to a business, um, and there's grammatical errors, and you be, because of small, small things, you yeah. get disqualified, um, to things as major as having an oversight in terms of, you know, assuming just because you know a market to go a certain way, you trust your instincts without necessarily backing it up with data. And so you end up committing company money to some budget and then, you know, no results come out of it. So that mm. becomes very painful. These are not things I'm saying as stories, these are things I've experienced. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and um, in many instances, you've been called up to, you know, defend how, how come you made such a, you know, a decision yeah. and, you know, the business failed and, and, you know, I mean, some of these places have actually either, I mean, I've had instances where I've actually been let go of some of these businesses. It's just the truth. You know, because of some small, small oversight. But again, you go back and you learn and, you know, sort of get an opportunity and you apply the change and the difference, yeah. Um, I got fortunate to get into marketing leadership at a very early age. I think I was a first-time first marketing manager at the age of 25. And at the time, um, none of the people I was managing were younger than me, or older. Wow. Yeah. So then that's when I learned the issue of attitude and humility. Mm. Is that, yes, I could have some requisite skills, but you've got... The advantage of time in the game and mm-hmm. so i need to learn from you guys i need to you know sometimes you go in just stamping thinking oh but i'm the boss and they could do whatever it is and they say okay and corporate there's a lot of corporate bs there's a lot of drama that happens that you can actually easily easily be set up for failure mm-hmm. so humility is a big thing i learned the hard way trust mm-hmm. me as a young person coming up i think the career was very exciting you feel like you know it all then you realize you deal with people. So sometimes you have to come back, you know, sort of slow down and, you know, engage. Yeah, but I mean, the, 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 those experiences for me would have otherwise, and I've seen many of my peers who, you know, such blunders have killed their careers and their, mm. and their zeal and their passion to pursue certain things. For me, yeah. they've only motivated me to become even more, even better, you know. And so, yeah, thank God for what 
how far we've come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, now speaking speaking of advice, yeah. who do you say that your greatest mentors have been? Oh my God, there's a guy called Ajay Alva. He's uh, of Indian origin. Mm. He was the best boss ever. You know, it's strange that you hear this from uh, a guy like me talking about an Indian boss, but he was <laughs> the best. Ajay believed in me at a very young age. So mm. this time I was working at Technobrain. Um, and he interviewed me. Um, actually, he was very honest. He told me they had they were done doing interviews. They had actually selected a candidate. Mm -hmm. And so when we met, he eventually interviewed me. I mean, I begged for an opportunity. Like, just listen to me. And then, and he said, it'll take a bet on me. I didn't, I, that was my first time in tech. I didn't know anything I was saying, but, mm. and he entrusted me, and the guy held my hand. He held my hand, he used to, he pushed me so much. You know, at the time when it felt like this guy was just taking advantage of the fact that I'm young and I have the time, I mean, we would work long hours. Yeah. But every day I wake up and I go to my different um, um, fields of work, I, there's not a single day I don't thank God for that man. He has had a major impact. We were in touch for a while until he left the country, he went back home. Um, occasionally he would come to Kenya, we'd always meet up. Um, um, but Ajay Alva, man, that guy was literally the one who literally propelled me and, and opened the world to me. This is the first yeah. time I was interacting with um, what you'd consider an expert. So how they see, how you see the country as a market, as, as a country, and now, and Zanu taught me that thing for seeing the country as a market. Mm -hmm he really opened up my eyes. And so I started thinking about what more, what impact can I have, not just in Kenya, but in Africa and the world. Um, and he made it very possible in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so credit to that man, wherever he is, he knows that I love him very much and I honor that man to bits. Yeah. Okay, so what advice would you give to young people who want to probably get into marketing and they're looking for the urges? In really their lives, yeah. Um, I would say very critical, and that's a very good point. Look for an RJ in your life. Look for somebody who you consider uh, has gone through sort of the, I call them the battle scars, has gone through the process. So you don't have to suffer the pain that they've gone through. Um, very important to network, one, talk to the right people in the right spaces who can be able to encourage you to go into the career that you're mm -hmm. in. But two, and very critically, especially for marketers, make your work known, let your work speak for itself. Um, I was very pleased when you said in the beginning that um, I'm, I'm literally faceless, and I, and I do it very intentionally, um, because I believe that the work that I have done is what should be able to propagate. Um, eventually, it finds the audience that it requires, people who will take you seriously, uh, people who will not look at your work and look for your profile, and you don't match whatever you do. Um, be very careful about what you're posting online, mm. especially for those in careers. I think yeah. it's very important. Nowadays, when we are hiring, one of the things that my team always checks is uh, who are you as a person. Mm. So think about your, your, your personality. Think about how you're presenting yourself. Um, it's interesting how in my marketing career, I don't own a single suit. So this whole thing of uh, um, you, you, you dress appropriately, We've, 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 we've moved from that. Mm. It's not about how you look physically in terms of dress, it's also yeah. how you carry yourself. Yeah. It's the right attitude, it's the, the stuff that you're reading, the stuff that you're engaging with, the kind of content you're sharing. We think it's fun all the time, you know, you're sharing all these memes and all these things. But sometimes as a serious brand, you look at what someone has been doing online and you're like, hey, do I really want to associate myself yeah. with such? So very careful how your social media um, 
presence looks. Um, and then critically, be a believer in yourself. Believe that you're the best there is. Uh, that when you hire, then you, that when you're being interviewed for an opportunity, like I said, you're also interviewing the opportunity. Yeah. And when you come in, commit to knowing that these guys will have the best marketer they've ever gotten. Not necessarily because you're proud, but because you're going to be able to open up and say, I'm here to do whatever it takes. I may not understand it tomorrow that I commit to go and learn. Mm-hmm. And learn whatever you think you know, learn what is relevant for that industry, go back and apply and, you know, like I said, very critically, learn, have a, have a, have a clique, have a squad, people who you can check in stuff with. You know, I have one, very, very, very high level one, so to speak. Um, these are guys in different industries mm-hmm. who I don't move unless I check some of these things with these guys. Mm-hmm. They understand um, the tech industry very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, one of them is someone like Bright Gamelli. Yeah. Bright was actually my roommate in campus. Wow. Puff, very good friend of mine. Very. We should talk behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we should. Yeah. Um, so Bright is one of those guys who, I mean, I can't move, you can't move in tech, especially yeah. in cyber security, if you don't have a conversation with someone like Bright, for instance. And there's mm-hmm. many other places, people like those mm-hmm. in different spaces. There are people who don't move in marketing and doesn't talk to me. So also, as much as I'm learning from people, I'm also pouring into um, into that space. Um, and then also figure out, uh, really, for those who are already in a career, it's always important to understand what what are the metrics that matter. There's a lot of noise around marketers. There's mm-hmm. all these things for competition analysis, all these things. Mm. But you need to think about where you're at. Don't just do, also you see one brand doing you know, influencer yeah. marketing, you want to also jump on that. Understand what metrics matter to us. Will influencer marketing work for us? Will this strategy work for us or that yeah. strategy? Understand, have a very good, clear understanding of the target audience and align accordingly. The best marketers form culture. The best guys who got uh, influencer marketing right have built a whole industry around that. Uh, build your own culture. What is it that you're going to do that's different from everyone else and uh, that you can actually take credit for? Yeah. When it comes to entrepreneurship, uh, especially for those who are working and want to try something to the side, there's no day that is perfect to start. You mm-hmm. start, na- in fact, you're late. <laughs> <laughs> I always say you're very late. Start mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever ideas that you have. The beauty is that you have a salary which can give you a backup in case that fails. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs I know when I talk to didn't have that luxury or flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, do that um, and one last thing about that especially around that issue of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is I once um, had a sermon and the pastor was talking then was saying that you know when you get a salary as an employed person mm-hmm. that salary should not be your what you go to tithe in church oh. it should be that that is what a seed is it's like a farmer when you uh-huh. go to buy seeds mm-hmm. right you don't you don't go home and make that seed become the meal you're gonna have that day. Mm. You, know, you don't buy seeds to go plant and then you get home and make it dairy. Yeah. That seed is what you plant. Out of the harvest is what you tithe. In fact, even the Bible, the good book says, uh, you tithe a tenth of your harvest. Yeah. Your salary is not your harvest. Your salary is your boss's harvest. <laughs> He's just you're to to him you're a tool. Right? Well, that's the job that you have is actually benefiting the owner of that business. It's not benefiting you. You're being given something to just hold in there. Mm-hmm. Take that as your seed. Hive off. Of course, pay your bills, do everything, but hive off some of it and ensure you're using part of that to be the seed that you go and plant, whatever you're going to do. Out of what you get there is what God will bless tenfold, a hundredfold, a millionfold.
Oof, we are planting seeds, please. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. now, like, as we wrap this up, yes. knowing what you know now, yeah. what would you change? Knowing what I know now, wow. Would I change anything? <laughs> yes. I would change a lot. I think um, in my 20s, I'm not going to drop my age. <laughs> but in my 20s, I wasted a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I sh especially on the side hustle side of life. Yes, I had the comfort and I had the benefits. Um, of course, the blessings of God to always have a job, as you've mentioned. Mm. There's always an opportunity when I was working in one brand or another. One of the things that I was not very good in is diversifying the income. Um, there's been instances where, you know, either there's been salary delays or job cuts, stuff like that, and you get affected. And, you know, now that's pressure, you know. So imagine if I started early and I had all these side hustles on the side, you'd be able to survive easily. I probably wouldn't even be needing the kind of job that I have today. I would work it more for passion, not necessarily for the money. So what I would change would be to diversify my, my portfolio, so to speak, mm -hmm. early enough. And so I'd encourage every young person, if you're in that space, you've got that advantage of having a salary, diversify that income. Try and figure out, live on a fraction of it, try and figure out what the rest of it can be able to do for you long term. Because at some point, that job will go. Right now, we're at a space where technology is actually reducing the number of job opportunities, right? Yeah. Uh, but you have an opportunity now with the income that you generate to create something else, you know? Mm -hmm. And there are some very sort of sure bets out here. When, you, when you're going into things like supplying basic needs, you know, if you're building shelter for people, if you're supplying food, you know, if, <laughs> just this week I learned the cost of actually, in New York, Mm -hmm. The cost of an organic plate of salad, the cost of that, like organic yeah. from the farm. Mm -hmm. And they, many of these places don't even have farms to grow. You'd be surprised they're paying something like 2,000 shillings for a small plate of organic salad. So food can never go wrong. Yeah. Clothing can never go wrong. Housing can never go wrong. Basic needs. Um, and so I would, I would as much as possible. And of course, follow your passion, mm. but I would say diversify your income. Mm. Yeah. Okay, wow. Thank you. This session has been amazing. <laughs> I have learned a lot. Yeah. I will be watching this and I'll be taking notes. I'll be with my pen. <laughs> because this information is quite important, yeah. especially for our, our generation yes. right now and for the youth yeah. right now. Because some of the mistakes that you are talking about, that is actually what is actually yeah. really going on yeah. right now. And yeah, yeah we, need, we need to step up yeah. in our sure. game. Sure. So thank you, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. For coming. It's I still have pleasure. so many questions, <laughs> but yeah. another day. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much for watching and listening to this week's episode. Be sure to share, comment and subscribe on all the platforms and our tag is at Youth Plus Africa.